This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Carrying on our theme that we've had for some time about grow and sow. Morning, my message title is Freedom's Posture. Months ago, I preached a message here on Saturday night um, about growing like a leafy tree. And in that message, I talked about us being planted and our roots growing deep and being secure and persevering. The fact that we need to be transplanted first through the saving work of Jesus before we can be planted. But then there's the persevering, growing deep roots, growing like a leafy tree, growing healthy as we picture in our head, a green leafy tree looks and our life can be like that. And I guess it kind of carries on a little bit that, like from that in that I've, I've got a picture of us as people who grow and are growing, continuing to grow our roots deep down into Christ, having a posture as people of freedom that is kind of like a, a tree looks like with its branches spread wide and and that's kind of our posture in the ki- kingdom. We have been set free by Christ and it influences every part of our life and sometimes though whether it's just because we haven't known Jesus long and we we don't know kingdom life that much or maybe because of circumstances we've been through that have along the way caused our posture to have gone from this maybe a bit more to like this. It can happen. Life can happen. We get challenged along the way or, or maybe we've just kind of moved a little bit down. We, we don't have that freedom. We don't have that posture of just full vitality and freedom that we maybe once had or, or we don't fully know that it's ours to enjoy and take the most of, make the most of. And some things today that I'm going to share hopefully will help us, remind us about that posture that we do have in God, the fact that this is not the way that God has designed us to live but more like this. And at my first point this morning is that we are stewards only. This life, what we have, even our life itself, is from God. We are stewards only. It actually doesn't belong to us. So often we treat our life like we're the owners of it when really it's all given to us from God and we are just stewards of it. And that can make such a huge difference. Just that one little factor can make such a huge difference in how we relate to to everything in life. For me, myself, I have no issue with everything being God's. It's okay if it's all his and it's not mine because I trust in God. I see that God is a just God. I see that he is a very exceedingly generous God. I see that he is a faithful God. In my life, that is the God who I know, who he has proved himself to be. So So I don't mind saying, well, it's not mine, it's all his. And there's a verse in 1 Chronicles 29, it's verse 14. And these are the words of King David. 
And he says in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? He's praying to God. That we could give anything to you. Everything we have comes from you and we give you only what you first gave us. Now this is the words of a king, so he had a lot. He was a very, very successful king. Um, on this occasion he was preparing that his son would soon be building the temple and David on this occasion just before he prayed said, I'm going to give all my gold and silver to the cause of building the temple and it was like, I don't know, 300 tonnes of gold, that's all. Um, and like, I don't know, some number up there as well in the hundreds of tonnes of silver as well. Like he could have had a real issue about it being his because there was so much of it. Sometimes you kind of think that if you've got more, you won't worry about it so much, but sometimes it can be more of a worry if you're thinking of it as having to hang on to it and keep it all and not lose a little bit here and there. But if we're stewards only, it can make a whole difference to that outlook. And often in talking about this kind of thing, we relate it to money and possessions, which they are a big part of our life. So we don't downplay the fact that, yeah, we are talking about that, but it also refers to our gifts and talents, our time, our emotions. We're stewards of our emotions, our speech, even our body, our beauty, our sexuality. In Ezekiel chapter 16 and verses 14 to 15, it says these words, says uh, talking actually to the people of Israel, God's chosen people, in kind of a, um, a picture form. Your fame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your beauty, says the Sovereign Lord. But you thought your fame and beauty were your own, so you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. So that was talking about the way the nation of Israel pretty much gave themselves over to idol worship. So that was a picture. But I think we can take that literally as in our own lives, we are stewards of even our beauty, our sexuality. And that can make just a whole shift in the way we approach those kinds of areas as well. We are designed, we have a need to have security in life. We seek security. We seek assurance in one way or another. We are seeking it. Some of us seek it with money and possessions. Some of it's in friendships, in followers and so on. Even in what we do for God, we can seek our security in the way that we serve and the way we are involved in serving him. We seek that security by getting things, pursuing things, holding onto them, controlling them, and in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with, with having friends, of course. There's nothing wrong, of course, serving God. There's nothing wrong with having money and possessions. But it's an imbalanced way to live when the things have us instead of just us having some things. 
And so that posture of freedom that we have available to live that way in the kingdom is a a freedom that comes in holding loosely to things, of even letting go of things when necessary. When Lauren was little, and not so little maybe, she she loved Elmo. She got an Elmo toy for her second birthday and he was probably still is her faithful companion. Um, and somewhere along the way we, we bought her the video um, Elmo in Grouchland. Have you watched that movie, anyone? I think we watched it again over Christmas when the kids were around and and they were going, we never liked this movie, Mum. It wasn't, yeah, poor little Elmo. He went through a bit of a hard time. But there's the bad guy in that movie. His name is Huxley and he just wants to get, get, get. He, He didn't live like this. He lived very much like this. And he never, ever, ever had enough. He just wanted more and pretty much he would just go, touch something and go, bing, I own it, and he would take it. And he took Elmo's blankie, um, which was, yeah. And anyway, it has a happy ending, but you'll have to watch it. It's got lots of twists and turns, amazing, giant chickens and, yeah. Um, But with an attitude like this for Huxley, no wonder he lived in Grouchland like like I understand why that was his address. But just like he said, Bing, I own it, everything in this world has God's fingerprint on it. Like it really is, it's all his. But compared to someone like the bad guy in Elmo and Grant, Grouchland, God is generous. Like we have a God who is generous. So don't be like Huxley, be like God, be like Jesus. There's a a man called Robert Morris who I'm going to quote a little bit this morning and something that he said is, I was born selfish but I was born again generous. When we are in God's family and his kingdom, there's just that freedom posture, that wide open, it's all God's and we can be generous. Along the way, the seasons of life, they they bring a few tests to that posture. There's a few challenges along the way, just whether we are actually truly willing to hold things loosely, whether we really are willing to sow, whether we, we really want to be generous people, whether we ultimately do want to be obedient in giving. We will be challenged along the way. And even the way we are generous in the kingdom to a non-believer or a new believer. Something like tithing would just seem crazy. And even the attitude of the early church where um, there's a couple of instances where it talks about the early church people just selling their possessions, their property, sharing the money with those in need. Like Some people would look at that and go, that's just crazy, that's just an opportunity to be ripped off, like a scammer's dream to um, just come in and run amok, to deceive, to do that kind of thing. But when we remember that we're stewards only, even getting ripped off occasionally, it is something that we can close up over. But when we remember that God's in control, even that he supplies 
he resupplies. Like, it's up to us. It's not our position really to be the judge of what someone does with our generous gift once we've given it. The second thing that can help us maintain that freedom position is to remember that we have good seed to sow and that good seed is from God. The Bible talks about good seed relating to a number of things and it includes these. Good seed is referred to as the gospel message, the message of Jesus' salvation, of his forgiveness. That is referred to as good seed. Believers ourselves are referred to as good seed in Jesus' parables. So that's another example. Righteousness is referred to as good seed and good deeds that we do are referred to as good seed. And God is the provider of the good seed in our life, whatever it may be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, it talks about that. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So the good seed comes from God. And something that we must always remember when we're thinking about seed and sowing and giving, we've, we've just got to remember, and it makes a lot of sense, that sowing comes before reaping. We have no trouble understanding that in the natural because we don't just go out to our garden and look at a bare plot of soil and go, hmm, tomorrow I'd like some roses and expect to reap a lovely garden full of roses. No, we have to um, plant a rose to grow a rose. We have to plant a seed to get a crop. But sometimes in our life we want to wait until something is going right for us. We want to wait until we've had a pay rise before we start being generous or we want to wait until our friends have invited us out before we are the ones who instigate in doing the invitation. We won't reap until we sow. We can't have this kind of posture that says, no, nah, I'm, I'm hanging on, I'm not, I'm not going to reach out, I'm not going to have that open posture until, until we know sowing comes first and then reaping. John 12, 24 to 26, I like the way it says this in the message version. John 12, 24 to 26 says, Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honour and reward anyone who serves me. I like how we have to... Just put that seed out there, whatever it is, whether it's a kind word, 
whether it's something financial, whether it's stepping out in our gifting or talent and doing something in that area, whatever it is, we have to put it out there and pretty much let go of it like you bury a seed in the ground. You don't have control over the seed once it's down in the ground unless you set up some amazing periscopy ground camera thing. Well, maybe you could watch it that way. I just thought of that then. That was a crazy thought. But we don't have control of the seed. We can't influence it except by watering and so on in the natural. But in the same way, when we sow things for the kingdom, really we are putting it out of our control and we are saying we're sowing this seed. God, we believe that you're a blesser of seed and yeah, maybe there's some extra things we might have to do t- along the way, but it's out of our control. Really, we've given it and it's gone. Like we, But sometimes we kind of feel like it's still ours when we've given it and it's not anymore. We have to know that about sowing, that, that the seed that we do give is from God first. It's good seed, but then it is so important that we let it do what seed does. We let it go and we let it grow. And number three this morning, just want to refer briefly to tithing, which is a great starting point. Tithing is a great starting point in the life of generosity, in believing and putting your feet where your faith is and saying, yeah, God, it's all yours. And Robert Morris again, he puts it this way. He says, by tithing you're saying, God, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life and I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. Tithing is pretty much a heart test and that's what I think the whole freedom posture is about relating to any area of our life. If our heart is right with God, if our heart is good and healthy, we don't have a problem living in the freedom and embracing the freedom God offers. But it's when we start letting bitterness or lack affect us that we can close off. Philippians 4.19 gives us a lot of encouragement. It says in Philippians 4.19, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that he will supply some of your needs. It says he will supply all of your needs, all of your needs. And we can't talk about tithing without reading Malachi 3, and we'll read verses 10 and 11. I know we have lots of faithful tithers in this church, but it's good to remind ourselves of just the whole idea of the fact that really God's given us 100% and we just give him 10% as a step of faith that he will bless the other 90 and, and then we've got 90 that we can sow in other ways and be generous with as well. Malachi 3, 10 to 11 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. 
Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I just love those verses because they say there that we can test God in tithing. We don't get the offer to test God in any other areas. Scripture doesn't say, yeah, put God to the test. But in tithing, God says, yeah, you can test me and I will bless you if you tithe. And I stand here as a tithing tested testimony because I have been blessed to be able to sow in my life and and us as a couple. My introduction to tithing came way back when I was in a mainline church and used to get 10 bucks pocket money a week as a teenager and and mainline churches do things a bit different. I don't think we would like it where the church um, leadership elders whoever come and visit you once every three years and go, how much are you going to pledge to give regularly for the next three years? Please put it in writing and here's your envelopes for you to fill out and we can account for that over the next three years. Um, but I said I would give a dollar a week. Um, so I've been tithing since then and through the years God has never let us down. When we got married we started tithing from the beginning. When we had four children and were living on probably less than one full wage, we never ever considered stopping tithing. God continued to bless us. We continued to be able to sow beyond. We had four children plus a couple of sponsor children. We, um, it made me actually doing this go back to some of my journals. I knew there was a year where at the back of one of my journals I kept a record of how God met our needs and that was the year that we had um, four children in school. So Aaron was in prep and Bevan was in year seven and it was like I'm reading through the journal and I'm thinking, gee, it was a bit tight back then. But I'm reading like all these things God provided here, God provided there in so many different ways. Like a couple of times it was just like friends who said, oh, we feel like we should give you some money. And that was pretty amazing. Um, Pastor Trevor did a missions trip to uh, Vietnam that year, so that was a step of faith as well. Um, Just things like the government back then said if your kid's starting school, primary or high school will give you a bit of cash and that just turned up in the bank account in the middle of January and I'd forgotten the government had even said they were going to do that and was like oh what's that money in our account but it was like right when we needed it it just that list went on and on through the year and um, I actually text Bevan this morning because I'm like random question how long did those Converse one-star skate shoes and those Saucony runners last year because I worked out from my journal. We, we went to a, um, a um, factory outlet and came away with a few, half a dozen pairs of Converse uh, yeah, and the Saucony shoes. But I knew that Bevan's had lasted a long time. He was at the end of year eight. And even just this verse when I read it here, um, your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Like God even, I believe, guards clothes and shoes from wearing out. 
not quite the children of Israel in the wilderness 40 years worth, but our boys all did their growth spurt grade six, year seven. So Bevan's feet never grew and he never really grew in clothes much from year seven to ten. He got two school shirts and one PE shirt at the start of year seven. They lasted him the whole four years um, and he did extra sport in his sport shirt. And the shoes that we bought, which he looks back at his life and goes, mum, couldn't af- mum and dad couldn't afford me brand name clothes, but end of year eight, he got Converse skate shoes. What's he complaining about? Um, those shoes lasted him from the ne- near the end of year eight, I think early November, through to the end of year 10 at least. Um, and the Sorconi runners, he reckoned, lasted him beyond probably those two years. He played competition squash and competition table tennis outside of school and other things. His skate shoes were possibly, and the runners were possibly, the only shoes he owned other than a pair of thongs. I'm not sure. So he probably wore the skate shoes to church and everywhere else as well. So God has really blessed us. Like I look back at that season because that was tight and it was a bit more testing than the season that we're in now. And we are we are blessed now and, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of bittersweet when part of the reason that finances are easier is because my parents have passed away, but it's still our finances are easier, so that is part of the reason and, yeah, God is good. He has provided for us and we have tested him and he has come through. We have tested him. Okay, our final point is just once again on maintaining that freedom position, just not succumbing to worry. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 is a key that we don't close off again but we live that wide open life or when we recognise that we are starting to close off to work out why and how to change that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Cheerful, cheerful giving in whatever we're giving to have that right attitude and sometimes it's not just about putting a smile on. Sometimes God has to kind of do a work in our heart and we have to explore why certain things are making us feel like we're reluctant or why we're grumpy and upset about something that on another day we might have just freely let go. To maintain a cheerful giver attitude, we have to watch out for selfishness or smallness a selfishness that doesn't want to share and be generous. Now, I think in our lives, when I think about my life, there's there's a bit of this and a bit of that probably in our lives at any given time because I know there's, I, I kind of blame it on the fact that I'm an only child so I didn't have to share. But there's kind of things that I, I receive as gifts or I kind of, they're kind of mine, but for someone else, maybe they'd hang on to them 
more loosely and would share more readily. But I kind of, it comes out of my mouth before I can catch it when I kind of say, oh, that's mine. And poor Pastor Trevor kind of backs off. He backs away. He goes, okay. <laughs> Shared then. And, and I realize that I'm doing it. And I blame, yeah, I blame the only child thing that in some things I'm like, I'm not, not inclined to share, but yeah, he runs away and then, then he kind of, he's not there to share it with anyway. So, but we can be like that. There's maybe areas where we are more open, some that maybe we need to look at why we are more closed because we're worried that if we are too generous, there won't be enough left or we fear that God's not going to meet our needs if we, if we put too much out there. We've got to remember that he's the one who provides, that it's all his anyway, that he cares. Something else that we have to watch out for in just keeping that cheerful giver attitude, that, that cheerful posture, is a grief that regrets what we've given and it's normally not when we just give of our own accord but when we feel pressured you know when when you feel pressured like maybe everyone's like oh we're we're donating to this good cause and maybe those online ones where you see the amount that people are giving and you're like oh I feel like I've kind of got to match that and then you like situations like that that can just eat away at you and, and make you less inclined to give in the future if you feel that maybe you haven't had input into how much is given. It's just can be a bit of a uh, work that needs doing sometimes to turn it around and go, okay, well, it's seed now. I've sown it. Like Let's leave it in God's hands and let, let's not worry about what's been sown. Sometimes feeling taken advantage of. I know I, I always remember this person who came to me and, and talked about how they had been generous with their home, with their finances, and they'd felt it was something that God had said. He was telling them to be generous in this way. But then once or twice someone took advantage of their generosity, someone took advantage of what was given to them in some way, and all of a sudden what they were doing in faith as a calling and going, yeah, God's providing me with this so I can give it out. All of a sudden they were looking at what had happened and to them and it shut down, it closed them off and they went, no, I can't do that anymore. But God hadn't stopped supplying. They, It was in their heart. They'd lost that freeness, they'd lost that cheerfulness in giving like it wasn't that joy to them anymore to be able to freely give because of the way someone had treated what they'd given but they'd taken it personally as though it was theirs when they were just being a steward and giving out of what God had given them. So in the world it's all about buying and selling. The world's view of possessions and and ownership it just helps feed that worry and takes away the cheer. Like even the situation that we're in at the moment in our world, like you're hearing that um, electricity prices are going to go up heaps, the fuel prices have gone up heaps, the supermarket prices have gone up, 
There's all kinds of reasons if we look at the world around us like interest rates, we don't know how much they're going to go up. There's all kinds of reasons when we gauge our posture by the surroundings, which is the way the world does it. There's all kinds of reasons for worry. There's all kinds of reasons to go, ah, oh, maybe I won't give as much anymore. Maybe I can't be as generous. Uh, in the kingdom of God, God says, don't buy, not about buying and selling, it's about sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. We gauge by his word, by his faithfulness, by the fact that we have seen his faithfulness in our lives, that he is generous, that, that we know that he is our provider, that he will provide all our needs. We gauge by that, not by the surroundings. There's that verse in Psalms, Psalm um, 50, where it talks about the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I can't remember who the person is who's been like their prayer often in their life was, God, I need you to sell one of those cattle because I need some provision. But that was their prayer and God would come through. That's the way they saw it. And I just love, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills so we can maintain freedom's posture. And Luke 12, 29 to 34 in the message, Luke 12, 29 to 34, just some encouragement. And it's Jesus saying in the message as phrasing, what I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, not be so, so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provision. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Be generous, give to the poor, Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven, far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. So in conclusion this morning, it's not about how much we have of anything that matters, it's whose it is. When Bevan was learning to talk, it was a bit weird and a bit funny that, um, and I think it was because he didn't have younger siblings or older siblings, that when he would go, like if this was his drink bottle, we would kind of talk about it, oh, yeah, that's yours, Bevan, here you are. And so he would point to things and he would go, yours, meaning mine, um, just because of the way we said it and it took him a little while and he used to confuse people because he would point at things and go, yours, and he actually wanted them for himself. And he, most kids just go, they learn very quickly, mine, it's all mine. Um, it doesn't take long, does it, for that mine attitude to come in. But, yeah, Bevan meant mine, but he said yours. But for us... Our posture of freedom in the kingdom, if we go yours, then that is 
that is good. That is, that's not weird and it's not funny. It's actually, yeah, that's what we need to be saying more often, yours. It's all yours. Everything in our world, it comes from God and he allows us to be gifted with many generous things, many blessings, but it's all his. We get to steward it. We get to enjoy it. We get to bless others with it. We get to encourage one another. We get to clothe and feed people with it. We get to just expand our lives and use it for him. Whatever it is, our possessions, our paycheck, our children, our talents, our blessings, the very breath in our lungs. You have a generous God and he is a God whose arms are wide open to us. Jesus' arms, just on the cross, he stretched his arms wide open in love for this whole world. And as his children, we are able to just stand in and live in that posture of freedom as well, to be his generous kids, to honour him, to see him move in provision, in multiplication, in our lives and to be able to maintain that posture even beyond challenging seasons. And just this last verse, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter 1 3 says, By his divine power God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvellous glory and excellence. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you that you are our all in all, that everything is from you. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your provision. We thank you just for the blessing of your presence with us in such a generous way, your love and your mercy. Lord, we just thank you that that we can enjoy your provision first of all by coming to know you, coming to know you, God, and thank you that we do that only through Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing generosity, your exceeding forgiveness, your extravagant love and mercy towards us that you have brought us near to God. You have taken away the obstacles between us and a right standing relationship with God to be sons and daughters in the kingdom just with a future and a hope. God, what a blessing it is. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. God, I just pray for anyone in this place today who who has not come into that relationship with you, God, through Jesus. God, I pray that you will draw them near today. Lord, that you will just open their heart to your love, to that invitation, God, that you give us all freely to be your children, to come into your kingdom, to know you as Saviour and Lord, to know hope for today, tomorrow, for eternal life with you forever. God, I just thank you for your goodness. Jesus, I thank you for making the way. God, I pray that in our lives, as your people in your kingdom, as your children, that we would be children after your own heart, that we would flow in generosity as you do, that we would live lives just fully free in you, God, planted in you, planted firmly in you, 
growing healthy and strong and just with that with that openness. God, I just pray for people who had challenges in their life that have caused them to close down in certain areas. God, I pray that they would just know your blessing upon their life. Just just know just the truth of your word that would speak into their heart in this time, Lord, just to trust you again, to trust you. God, even if people don't always do the right thing with what we offer them, what we give them, God, I just thank you that you are trustworthy. God, we can let go with our faith in you, God, that you will do your good purpose with the seed that we sow. God, that you, as we give and good is done in another's life, God, that you also do good in our heart as we give in whatever way that is. God, we just thank you for this time that we've spent together in your presence this morning. God, I just pray your blessing upon everybody as we go from here, God, and into our day, into our week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.